Welcome to Winging It, Episode 7, Doubleheader. I've got Heskiff and I've got Albert. And we'll attempt over the next 45 minutes or so to be more interesting than the football we've played in the last few days. <laughs> Heskiff, you look delighted with what's been going on. Well, yeah, I was just thinking what a low bar it was. If we can't be more entertaining than that, we're in real trouble. <laughs> and Albert, you finally come to a game and we play probably the worst we've played since Roy's return. Yeah, if you want to put it like that. I'm not blaming you. No, neither am I. How was the tasty jerk? Yeah, well, I, it's always a highlight of the day, but... I can quite safely say it was the highlight of the day. Uh, uh, hang on what? a minute. You saw me before the game. Yeah, like I say, the Tasty Jerk was the <laughs> highlight of the day. <laughs> followed, followed, a close second, by the bloke in the club shop wearing the Pornhub t-shirt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fair enough. That's Yeah, that's fair yeah. enough. Yeah. Just not a care in the world. Just bowling round, Pornhub t-shirt. Um, what? Yeah, just had a Pornhub t-shirt on. He's been watching two girls, one schlup. <sighs> Poor bloke. I've, 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 I've seen him play twice in a week. <laughs> I don't I know which one would have made me throw up more. <laughs> I think schlup might get covered um, in three and three later. You've just got a whole new spin on it. <laughs> mm. I just I'm sorry I'm just still Pornhub t-shirt at a Crystal Palace game Pornhub t-shirt bowling around the club shop not a care in the world um, yeah fair play and if if you're listening good for you yeah absolutely <laughs> write in write in to us let us know what's the deal are you sponsored by Pornhub <laughs> Could we get sponsored by Pornhub? What do you uh, reckon? <laughs> it depends how much they're offering. Could 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 Terence at least get fifty percent off his subscription? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'd be good though. Get a bunch of money and go and spunk it everywhere. Uh. Apologies. I apologise. I apologise. Let's drink some beer. I'm treating myself this week to a lighter week. I've got a daya. And it's called My Phone's on Snooze, apparently. It's a Raspberry Berliner Weisser. It's only 3.4%. There's a joke about snoozing during the second half yesterday, but... We'll get on to that. Yeah. A raspberry what? A raspberry vice beer called Berlin My Phone's Advisor. on Snooze. My Phone's on Snooze is a raspberry Berlin advisor, tart and jammy, with a beautiful balance of sweetness and sourness. Refreshing thirst quencher. Well, not for me. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, it is lovely. I'll we'll take nice. your word for it, as always. Now, you've just literally rolled in from work at like 10 o'clock, Albert. Yep. What's the deal? What are you drinking or are you just... No, nothing. Nothing. Straight straight on. Straight on. Let's, just, you not, let's, cover, 
let's cover you, the glory of the last two games. Have you not even got your? Have you not even got your tambourine to? I haven't got the tambourine the... to hand. No, I can't. I say I'd already said to Joe that that's not what it meant. So to to now shake it and say that's what it meant would send out yeah mixed signals, mixed, it? mixed vibes. Yeah, yeah. On mm. nothing, if not consistent. I assume you were there just trying to line up a famous Man United fan for this show. Don't know many of those. <laughs> Actually, Joe sat next to Christopher Eccleston once at Old Trafford, but I don't think they exchanged numbers. There's uh, just a, a quick Google here. Eamon Holmes would probably be a good one. <laughs> cool. Is he disgraced these days? Probably isn't he on GB think, News? I don't know. He's gone down. Yeah. He's gone down the GB News. Yeah, he feels disgraced. Mm. Mick Hucknall, Megan Fox, apparently. What? Yeah. You must have an in with Megan Fox, Albert. No, no, no unfortunately not. Uh, Stormzy, Arika Johnson, Dave Stormzy. Yeah, well, let's not talk about those two traitors. Arika yeah. uh, Johnson, apparently so. Hmm. Um. Rachel Riley. Yeah. Uh, oh, Anthony Corolla. Don't want to chat Who's shit that? to him. I don't know. Oh. Ray Mysterio Jr., mate. There you go. Wow. I mean, I definitely don't have an in with him, but I'm a little bit disappointed that he supports Man United. Yes. I've unmasked him for you. Sorry, mate. Yeah. Pretending I'm knowing about wrestling there. Um, some good news for people who miss us so much during international breaks. The upcoming international break will actually see us record a podcast this time. It's going to be a marathon march special because it's a few days before. We've got Bobby and Emma from the Palace for Life Foundation coming on to chat to us, and they're trying to sort out. Mark Bright to come on as well, who is who will be completing he's seventh of seven Oof. marathon marches this time around. So hopefully he can give us some good advice. I'm pretty sure he had a hip replacement as well at some point in like the 2010. So fair play to the man. He's still going to do I've better than all of us. I've done it. I'll give you some advice. Have you had a hip replacement? <laughs> no. Yeah. Oh. You just, just walk keep weird. walking. Oh, just right. keep walking. I did ten and a half miles home from work last night. Um, four miles in, my hip just poof, stabbing pains. So I've gone. For, I've gone for some inner soles now. I've ordered inner soles today, which apparently will help cushion against impact. Wise investment. Mm. Yeah. So now this is. I think I'm going to spend more money on equipment than I'm going to be sponsored. I think <laughs> to complete. All I was going to say, I've already done. I've already done my budget on the boxer shorts. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at, at this afternoon on my lunch because I was diligently working. Uh, what type of socks are best to, to get? Didn't know there were so many socks in the world. To be honest with you, there's a lot of socks. One for each foot. Yeah. Are there more socks or wheels in the world? <laughs> <laughs> um. It is very late in the day to be sourcing your equipment. Well, when is it? 
14th, 14th. of October. So two weeks on Saturday. Oh, that's dangerously close, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Oh, no. I kind of just snuck up on us. <laughs> okay. We'll I mean, be fine. Yeah, we'll Maybe. be fine. Just get a charity day. You can have a ch- take a charity day, Albert. Do they do that thing in the self-employed world? I, mate, we don't do sick days. What's a charity day? <laughs> Could you just go on strike for one day? They're all coming off strike now. Mm. Livid. No, I'm not livid. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that should mean that they're getting what they asked for. So, mm. Yeah, exactly that. No, I, I'm. when are we recording this Marathon March special? Um, so that will be the Wednesday before. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dial in and do it whilst walking, <laughs> like live, live training, live training, live training. Yeah. You're, just, you're just gonna be wheezing all the way through uh, it, then. Or? Yeah, I feel like he, he's heavy panting down the mics, oh, circling right. back to that Pornhub T-shirt. <laughs> Wow. I thought I thought you were going to heavy pan there, Albert. You, you leaned in with I just, authority. No, I just I just don't want to hear Terence say spunking again. Um, <laughs> I apologise. Um, John Texter. I was going to say talking of spunking. John Texter is um, planning to float on the American stock market at some point next year to try and raise funds for Leon, which somehow pulls Palace into it a little bit. Uh, we've only just literally found this out just before recording, so we haven't really had time to delve into it. But initial instincts feel as dodgy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it does. Like, I'm not a huge fan of this multi-club, whatever it is. And a lot of the things that you sort of read, you know, where one player goes from Botafogo to Leon or from comes to like that Nicaraguan kid who came to us and then went to Belgium and is now at Botafogo. It's just weird. It just, I know it's not money laundering, but it feels like it. Um, and then when you hear, when you hear something no about one, No like, one's ending up at us. Yeah. They'll end up at exactly. other clubs. <laughs> and then you hear about like going on the stuff. Like I am not intelligent enough to understand any of that, but. Uh, yeah, I just, like you say, he's doing it for the sake of Leon's debts, I think. But if it all goes wrong, we'll also suffer, is what I sort of gather. So, Who is this not... Leon bloke anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he does, does cracking breakfasts and coffees. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing's a bit, a bit whiffy, isn't it? Like, again, not being a, not being an expert, you know, like Hesketh just said, it seems strange that, you know, a portion of a club can be floated on the stock market, but um, I'm sure there's much more intelligent people that will point out that that's been done a million times over and maybe there's nothing to worry about. Mm. Can we buy a right back with it? That's my first question. Unlikely. Later on, when we talked to our Manchester United fan, we touched on Aaron Wambasaka, and I answered the question: w- Would you take him back? <laughs> That's a tough one. Oh my God. <laughs> mm. 
know. Yeah, I just feel I just feel uncomfortable with it all. It's weird though how it's all going for the clubs. You know, like Modern Beat won the league last year and are sort of holding our own a bit in the top flight now. Botafogo lost their last two, but are still like seven, several points clear at the top of the league. Leon, on the other hand, having their worst start in their history or something <laughs> to the season, and the ultras are dressing down the players at full time with a megaphone. And with and which one? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. Yeah. yeah. Well, there is a suggestion that Hodgson is rolling back the years. Yeah. <laughs> After the last two performances, which I think that we didn't just about mustered a shot at Old Trafford couple of them um, didn't look like we'd, if we were still playing Fulham right now we probably still wouldn't have scored um, yeah Albert is it is it us having to worry about Hodgson is just reverting back to type or is he kind of backed into a corner by the injuries that we have at the moment and the quality of player we have out that's making life a bit difficult for him yeah I think it's probably a little bit from column A, a little bit from column B. You know, we've, we've the strong start that we had was very much built upon Lerma and Decoure settling in as a sort of partnership fairly quickly in that sort of midfield two. And obviously Lerma's been out the last couple of games. Um, so that's kind of destabilised it. As good as Will Hughes has, has done coming in, I have to say. You know, I've been really imp- impressed with his contributions. Um, but, you know, you take out you know, Gay, he was out for a while and question marks over his sort of fitness. And obviously he had to sort of get parachuted in yesterday in an unfamiliar role. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think it's sort of anything to necessarily panic about so far, but seeing two performances like that so close together, you know, it, any Palace fan that's supported the club for longer than 10 years is well within their rights to sort of, start thinking about the end of Roy's last tenure and oh my oh my days are we heading back that way I'd like to think it's not the case I'd like to think when those players are back and obviously we're, we're still an Elise short France is a bit of an unknown entity um, yeah so you know you get you get those you get those players back and, and firing I don't think Roy's got a choice to 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 go back to what what he was like before because they are ultimately they're different players and there is a lot more creativity in that team despite there being no Will Saha. So I think Saturday will be a bit more of a, of a of a gauge of of our sort of medium term ambition and how Roy sees it. But ultimately we're not getting four or five players back before the weekend so we're going to see a probably a very similar lineup. Obviously bar one or two, three that started on Saturday and we might well see a similar performance. Um, but yeah, we're, you know, we're not, we're not at our best 11. So I think it's, I think it might be rash to start. Oh, can hell, it's the same old shit. You know, it might be a bit too early for that. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I tend to agree. I think especially with now you see that he's having to manage Edouard a bit because he's been feeling his hamstring. Um Obviously, at least he's a massive miss for probably anyone in this division. 
Um, France, uh, you know, spent a good proportion of our budget on him and he hasn't even been able to get on the pitch yet. Um, and our summer big, our big summer signing <laughs> lasted about 20 minutes, Hesketh. All he, all he did was kick the ball once. Yeah, didn't even get clattered. Um, kind of like me. That's how I used to be in goal. Just like, oh look, I'm injured again. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you guys are right though. I think it is a bit premature to to say oh Hodgson's doing his sort of let's try not to lose routine because you think of the players that that have been out and also add to that, you know the sort of deficiencies in bringing players in over the summer, which we all sort of thought was going to happen. And you just hope that you don't get injuries. And then, of course, injuries happen. But, you know, even sort of the squad players like Ahmad is injured now, you know, so he probably would have got a game yesterday and and wasn't able to be picked. Um, Again, no other left-back. So, Ty has to play again. Ayu probably has to play. Schluppi plays again. So, it's... I think it is a bit premature, but it also does sort of under underscore what we were saying in the summer about we need to get another two or three players in. As Roy said himself before he clearly got taken into a room and, and told off for saying as much. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think the best, I mean, the best we can hope for really on Saturday is that we put up more of a fight because that was what was really disappointing yesterday. I, it's not a match I particularly care about. Obviously, I want us to win. But I assumed we probably wouldn't. But we, especially in the first half, it was so flat. Like no one looked like they cared, and that's the that's a really galling thing. So I hope at least that changes on Saturday. Yeah, I think the the sad thing about the game last night was there wasn't a load of players with, on the pitch with anything to really prove. You know, where if you had your Hamadas playing and things like that, you've got more players that you know. I'm on the fringe. Maybe I can push a little bit. The only ones who, because you know, Mateta hasn't got anything to prove at the moment. Um, where previously he might have, he might have um, Jez a little bit. But we'll get into him. We'll get him into him later. I think the situation just got the best of him. Probably, probably <laughs> um, didn't help that. They had Manchester United, on the other hand, had a brand new sign-in, making his start, first start, wanting to prove himself and was you know, up for being a right nuisance <clears throat> and had a really good game. And then everyone else, Ty is just there probably, you know, trying not to get injured. Kleine maybe, trying to force a way, force an issue over, over Wald. Um, but other than that, Gyro knows he's not getting in a Roy team. As well as he played, and I mean, you yeah. say Mateta's got nothing to prove. I'd, I'd quite like to see him prove that he can control a ball intentionally that doesn't involve his back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought some of his touches were decent last night. I wasn't. I don't think his performance was horrible. He also had. He was very unlucky not to score. And Anana just made a really, really good save from him. Um, a, well, was a that the last times. twenty minutes? A couple of times. I think one was. One was at 2-0, wasn't it? I think the one with a foot maybe was at 2-0. It might have been 3-0. I can't remember. I was, mm. I'd, as I say, I'd walked 10 and a half miles home from work at a very brisk pace. I was. Do you know that means you covered more ground than Jeffrey Schlapp? So, well done. 
<laughs> like comfortably <laughs> over the last two games. <laughs> oh my God, is uh, he is he giving schlap? Is he? No, sorry. Enough with the schlap puns. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I, I just I. I I, uh, Roy did say um, in the week he's on just after the Fulham game he, he's not happy he wanted to attack the cup a bit more this season but he just hasn't got the players to do it and you just can't help but think that deep down he's delighted he's out of it when he knows he had to push for it a little bit <laughs> but now because of all the injuries he can get away with it and just concentrate on the league yeah, but you say you know yeah all right you can say he hasn't got the players for it but ultimately there's still there's still 11 players out there that need to have some semblance mm. of like you say putting up a bit more of a fight and you know it, it, it became quite apparent that fairly early on that up basically up until they scored you know we we were making you know let's let's not kid ourselves as all right united have got a much deeper squad and you can argue about the the gap in quality but They've been they've been a they've been a poor poor side uh, so far this season, and you know oh. scraped a scraped a win against Burnley in their last game. You know we we had we had Gary Neville feeling the need to go on Twitter to say this is the best we've played all season, like like they'd you know like they played <laughs> out of their skins, and they hadn't. All right, they were playing fairly tidy football, but they were playing fairly tidy football because we couldn't land a glove on them, and worryingly, it didn't look like we were even trying to throw a punch. So, you know, I think like you say, yeah, all right, we haven't got the depth, but, you know, think about the, the infamous, well, it's not infamous, famous for us, the, you know, the, the Darren Ambrose cup game up at Old Trafford, you know, we, we, we had barely any fucking players there and playing players like David Wright and, you know, um, and we gave it a go and look what happened, you know, I know we're we're all putting on the rose tinted glasses and looking back, but a bit of, you know, a a little bit of an effort to go into it. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to lose three nil, fucking lose three nil because you've had a go and you've been caught out, not because you've just sat back and, and sort of been blown over. And 48 hours after that famous game, we turned out again, Derby at home with the same players and got one all draw as well. Say same, I think did Chris Martin maybe come off the bench and score, maybe started or something, made, made a couple changes, but yeah, it was, you know, you're absolutely right. This team in crisis, <clears throat> um, we get into that with a main United fan later, like questioning whether Ten Hogs, you know, is he walking a tightrope kind of thing? Um, yeah, really, it's just get at them early and see if they panic. But it's obviously not Roy's way at the moment. We haven't scored in the first half this season. We're not going out. It's <sighs> yeah, hey ho, knees must, I guess. We'll see. We'll see how it goes over the coming weeks. In the lead up to the game, I did message in our WhatsApp group Henderson to have a blinder tonight, and May United Twitter to have a meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> it went well, but there was definitely a meltdown on Twitter. I don't know if it was Man United's. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Was it? It was ours, and you suggested it might be as well. <laughs> Just putting my positive spin on things. <laughs> uh We've kind of skated over Fulham and just talked about May United here. I don't think we need to talk about Fulham. No. Other than plus one point on last season. We did yeah, not kept, lose 3-0 at home. Kept 11 men on the pitch as well. It's a bonus, kept isn't it? It's a clean sheet. Sam Johnson had a good game. He did. 
He did. He made yeah, that second that match. save made in the second half was really good. Mm. That was probably the standout moment, wasn't it? I think mm. the different the difference between last night and Fulham, and again we won't we won't dwell on Fulham for too long. I actually thought the the reaction and again social media is obviously the the extremes. I thought the reaction to the Fulham result was probably OTT. A lot of people bemoaning the lack of players in the squad and this, that and the other. But you know, I sat with my brother at the weekend and you you know we looked all right I thought spells in the first half and you just think well if Elise is in this team and if France is half decent and he's in this team and Lerma's playing you know the only sort of thing you could point fingers at is well you know yeah we need a right back you know if 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 Elise if Elise Lerma and France are a fit and playing well you know Jeffrey Schlupp becomes a squad player. Jordan Ayew probably becomes a squad player, you know, and that is that is that little bit that little bit of depth that we we do have. But you know, we're in a bit of a rotten luck in terms of injuries at the moment. But I thought the team, at least, you could you could say at least the team were were trying on Saturday. Whereas yesterday was a, for me, it was a completely different, a completely different set of circumstances. Yeah, <clears throat> just. They were obviously worried about something that Fulham were doing in the centre of the park. And it meant that Eze was out wide left for the whole game. And I think just being a bit more braver and moving him central for 20, 25 minutes or something and just seeing if he could unlock something from there might have been a bit different. Things might have turned out a bit different. But it also might have meant the Fulham when they got the winner because Roy, Roy for anything, is very tactically astute in-game and he has probably noticed that. And, yeah, it feels strange because Ebbs is always switching from the middle to the left and in and out, and it just didn't happen against Fulham. So he was more content with having Schlupp in there, making a nuisance himself. Which, talking of Schlupp, let's get into it. Three in three. Someone get the door. Albert, you've gone for Schlupp this week. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Have you started? Uh, you can start now. Just trying to do 30 seconds on each game. Uh, Jeffrey Schlupp. So let's go with Saturday's performance. I have to say, I have to say, I thought Jeffrey Schlupp in, in the first half was sort of making some positive runs. And there was a couple of occasions where he sort of, he, he came in, came in from sort of almost out wide and, and, and drove at the defence and it's always it's always baffling to me because we know he's been capable of that and he's had he's, he's scored a couple of decent goals over the years doing that and right now he's one of the paciest players in our squad um but then ultimately when we didn't have the ball it just felt like a complete it just just lost i think is the word i'd use and it's a word that's been used against him before um and it just didn't seem to be working. And then you come on to the United game and it's almost even worse. It's like it's the lost effect, but he's actually been instructed by Roy. Don't even think about running at anybody with the ball when you get it. You know, it, and it's really infuriating. That <laughs> gives hands up. Like, yeah, but my we're, hands we're not finished here. <laughs> um, just, it just, it was funny during, during the game on Saturday, um, Sort of slipper had like like Albert said he started off all right, drew a couple of fouls, got him booked, and then just disappeared in the game. And Vanessa, my wife, who who's, stands in the row in front of me, turned round, and she was like, "I figured it out. 
he has to be really good in training because he gets picked every week, right? So he goes hell for leather Monday to Friday, all out. So within 10 minutes of the actual game on Saturday, he's absolutely fucked and that's why he's shit for the rest of the game. And I think that's the only explanation for it. It's not a bad it, one. Yeah, because he certainly don't do it in the games. Mm. Okay. Let's go for... I can't believe this. Let's go to Heskis for a more positive. I know. Legit. Uh, and you've you've chosen good old Gyro Riedewald for his performance at Man United. And you can go now. Yeah. I mean, Gyro's that player that we always sort of forget when we talk about how we don't have any depth because he's just always around and really only gets discussed by the youth players who come up to first team training saying how nice Gyro was when they came across the road. Um, <laughs> but he he came in he came in yesterday and I thought he was really good. I think he was probably, although it's a low bar, he was probably our, our best player. Don't think anyone else did quite as much as him. Won a couple of tackles, barged a couple of people off the ball, which was good to see, and had a couple of sort of two or three um, bits of skill where he was sort of really closed in by players and and got out of it technically very well. And I think it's just a shame that the one area of the pitch that we don't really need anyone in at the moment, even with Lerma out, is central midfield. So I think poor old Gyro's about to go and sit on the bench for the rest of the season again. Mm. Yeah, there was one point where he broke through the Lions and strided down the field and I think it was Hannibal was frantically chasing him, but then gave up and was just like, you know, just seemed to breeze away from him. Like... Yeah, excellent performance. Probably the only one, with the exception of maybe Eze when he came on, trying to force things and make things happen. But yes, not bad from Gyro. Um, I haven't forgotten him and his performance against Huddersfield, unfortunately. I'll never forget that. <laughs> oh, <clears throat> right, I'm going to go for, for Jez. So I'm really worried at not getting him a loan move in the summer is going to be really detrimental to his career because he was very clearly out of his depth last night and it's unfair on him because he shouldn't be playing for us after having a very good season in League One where he's come back with all the plaudits, he's come back with pretty much every single award Charlton had to hand out. He should be now in the Championship making that next step up and being able to, you know, have that natural progression up the leagues before he's in the Premier League trying to pit his wits against him. Let's face it, Amrabat was arguably the player of the World Cup that would just got that went last Christmas. So really, really disappointing for him that he's had to come in there. It's, you know, I wonder how he's going to take getting hooked at half time. I think it was absolutely the right decision because I couldn't, couldn't do anything against Amrabat. And yeah, I'm just I'm really worried that it's going to impact his career long term. And you talked about it prior to recording, Heskiff. Hodgson's on a hide into nothing with playing Raksaki because he's got to play him in that game. Yeah. Because the fans go bonkers. But, you know, perhaps hooking him at half time, Roy is probably showing ball there. I, I told you so. This is why I haven't been doing it. Yeah. And like you said, I don't, I don't really think it's Jairo, it's, uh, Jez's fault. You know, mm. I think if, if, if you. If we loaned him out to an Ipswich or Sunderland with the two teams, I mentioned Leicester as well, I think. Any of those teams, he continues, like you say, the rise up the leagues. 
but also it's like a really positive, you're going to play for teams that play positive attacking football and he'll get even more chance to show it at a higher level than last year. Mm. Whereas now he's obviously a bit part player of everything. You, you know, in the league, you'll get two minutes, five minutes. In the cup, you get 45 minutes against Man U where, like you say, nothing come off. So it's a real shame. And, and again, unfortunately, I think it points to sort of lack of recruitment because if we got other wire players in, then I think Jez would have would comfortably have gone out on loan and done really well. Mm. Indeed. So, unfortunately, this is a, I think it's the second time in recent years it's happened that we're going to Old Trafford back-to-back. Maybe three, four seasons ago it happened back then as well. So, yeah, tonight it is again. So, we've, we've got a United fan on this week. So, we're going to go off now. And it was only me who interviewed him. Everyone else far too busy to do stuff. I live <laughs> no. with one. I don't need to talk to any more of them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, next up after this, you'll hear me speaking to our Manchester United fan. I'm now joined by a Manchester United fan. Don't hold it against him. From The Athletic, The Talk of the Devils podcast and Stockport. Which is at least closer to Manchester than Surrey, I suppose. I used to live with this man and have witnessed him pay his dues and climb to the heady heights of reporting on Manchester United all over the world, often from pitch side at Old Trafford, with his beautiful face appearing on our TV screens more and more. All this during what can only be described as the worst era for Manchester United that anyone listening to this pod has ever witnessed. On the last count... He has six times more followers on social media than Lewis Dunk, a beautiful wife, and he is living the dream of getting paid to follow his team all over the world. But to me, it'll always be that kid that, along with me, parted like it was 1999, smashed more late-night takeaways than I care to mention, and could often be found rummaging through the bottom drawer in the kitchen. <laughs> Welcome to the pod, Laurie Whitwell. Oh, Terence, that was beautiful. I <laughs> walked down memory lane. Big smile on my face. Yeah, in-joke at the end, which no one ever needs to know what that means. So I think it's fine. Um, congratulations on the live shows, mate. Thank you. Yes. One, one in Manchester, one in London. How did those go? Yeah, they went uh, way better than expected, to be honest, because um, we kind of weren't sure exactly what people would want. We kind of thought, do the, do the podcast live, but also we need to give them something extra for you know, paying for tickets. It's crazy that people actually pay money uh, to see us uh, still blow their mind. Um, so yeah, a few kind of... Stories that you can't really tell publicly, um, a lot more smut uh, and uh, expletives uh, and kind of, you know, uh, jostling between each other. Uh, but the crowd were brilliant. You know, they kind of really got involved, it put us at ease straight away. Um, Ian Irving, who's our host, such a professional, kind of set the mood straight away. And then Andy was telling his stories. Carl was uh, getting a bit of engagement back from the, the crowd as well. Like, he really came into his own in London, actually, as well, Carl. Um, so, yeah, they went really well. The questions were brilliant at the end and the second part of the, the shows that we did. And we've got two more in uh, in Ireland to come, uh, Belfast and Dublin mm. next month. So hopefully uh, we can maintain the levels for that one. Well, I listened to your pod, press conferences, knowing the players, deep tactical analysis. It's a bit of a, bit of a different pace here. <laughs> I mean, for example, last week we spent a good few minutes talking about um, whether you had a party at McDonald's as a kid. If so, was a tour of the kitchens included? And if it was, how many kids could you take back there with you? 
That's a shot. I think I did have a party in McDonald's when I was a kid, you know. <laughs> oh, most everyone did. <laughs> yeah. You, you've totally, I mean, it, I had not thought about this for years, obviously, but now you've mentioned <laughs> that, a little memory's popped into my mind of like, there's a, there's a big uh, McDonald's in Stockport, obviously, as you uh, tell, tell people where I'm from. Uh, just by the A6, uh, and yeah, top floor of that place. I don't think I ever did get a tour of the kitchens, though. Is that is that what mm. you, you managed to get? Yeah, down in London, you'd get. Um, so I could take one friend when I did mine as a kid, and then someone else, uh, the other guy in our pod, Albert, he he could take two people, and he was like the pressure of having to choose two out of like all your friends who are sat there like looking at you when you're that <laughs> age is kind of a new feeling, you know. Um, so yeah, and smut's fine, so don't worry about that. This isn't Great. nothing professional here. But when listening to the pod, I, I couldn't help chuckling all night last night because one of your fellow podders said he was really ha- happy that Hannibal didn't get booked in the Burnley game. Yeah, and then last night looks like a walking red card. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carl, yeah, Carl nailed it. Yeah, he. Um, I mean, Hannibal has had this kind of edge to him all the way through his United career. Um, it, mainly, really, I think because he'd get kicked, you know, from pillar to post uh, in the under 18s and the 21s, and then he. To be fair to him, he, he often would shrug it off, but then he would also. He'd, I think he got a sent off actually against uh, Borussia Dortmund in a youth league game once um, for asking for a yellow card for one of the fouls on him. So that, that was his second booking, and, and off you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so and he and he he also does you know enjoy a bit of a robust tackle. I mean that one that he got booked for last night on Jordan A was just <laughs> a, a case closed booking, wasn't it? I mean it didn't, I didn't yeah. really think he needed to do it. But then mm. you're sort of thinking, right, okay, just settle down a little bit. And no, 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 he's still flying <laughs> into tackles. He was quite fortunate. And I was surprised that Tenar kind of left him on as long as he did because the game was mm. won. I mean, maybe he just wanted to reward him for the fact that he was clearly playing with a lot of energy, you know, doing the things mm. that I think he probably wanted him to do off the ball. Yeah, it looked like they had a joke about it when he came off yes. because they were they were they were smiling at each other. I think they all knew what was happening there. But um you must be delighted with how it went last night, us just rolling, sort of turning up and rolling over and let you tickle our bellies. Yeah, it was a really un-Crystal Palace-like performance under Roy Hodgson, wasn't it? I was really surprised by the, the level. I mean, I, you, you were saying before we started recording that obviously the uh, the team wasn't you know anywhere near what you'd expect and the injuries have, have, have impacted Palace, certainly. Um, but yeah, after the, the start that United have had this season and the, the grind that it was against Burnley, I mean, they got the win, but it was, you know, Burnley outpassed them, had more possession and had more shots. Um, this was a, a real surprise uh, kind of ease into, uh, yeah, uh, victory uh, for United. I mean, they, they actually, I thought they played well. I know Palace weren't great um, and pretty passive, but I thought the moves they were putting together, uh, the energy they showed, the kind of technique in certain moments was was much improved from what we've seen so far this season. So, yeah, a good, basically the perfect night for United, really, because they could rotate players. Even Donny van der Beek got a, got a run out. We've not mm-hmm. seen him for, for ages. So, um, Dan Gore made his full debut for United, a young 18-year-old midfielder who's, who's got a bit of snap to him as well as Hannibal. Um, so, yeah, perfect night for United, really. Yeah, Donny van der Beek, I bet he wishes he could go back in time and choose Palace over Everton for yeah. that lone move. <laughs> um, both teams having to do with lots of injuries. I think you're around the 8-9 mark, which is where we are as well at the moment. Um, one of those big injuries for you is Aaron Wambasaka, and it would be mm. remiss of me not to get a sort of check-in because there was lots of rumours that he might end up back at us when mm. you know it, you know the fan base seemed completely on his back through looking at social media, but it seems to be a bit of a transformation before his injury. 
Yeah, he um, started last season. Um, Eric Ten Hag would have sold him, you know, last summer. Um, I think he felt that he wasn't um, what he wanted in a right back, and some of the instructions. I think it took Wambasaka a little bit of time to adjust to. Um, and then after the World Cup, though, he, he he had this sort of block. You know, Diogo Dallo went away with Portugal to the World Cup, got injured, and Wambasaka was training with United. You know, they went on a, a warm weather camp to Spain, although I think it rained. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then since that point, he kind of he made the position his own, really. And I think Tenag maybe adjusted his thoughts on what he wanted from a right back. And clearly, his one on one defending has never been in question. Um, and he, he put in some really good performances defensively, but also, you know, showed improvements in attack as well. Um, and then we actually spoke to him uh, on pre season tour in San Diego. Um, and United are quite conscious of. Uh, you know, Wambasaki's not not great with the media, which you, know, you, you don't necessarily expect footballers to all the time be these outgoing, gregarious characters. I think Wambasaki's more reserved, but he had shown sort of signs of, of being open to chatting to the media. Um, so they thought he was a really good person to to put up in this moment. Um, and he kind of explained he was quite honest about, yeah, thinking that his United career might be over, but he when he just he was just not being in squads, you know, under Ten Hag. I know he had a little bit of injury problems, but so he was quite honest about that and just said he had to, you know, work on himself. Um and and, and also the kind of technical instructions that Ten Hag was giving. I think he accepted that it took a little bit of time to figure out exactly what he wanted. So uh yeah, he, he came into this season. I think United fans were thinking, yeah, he's he's the number one uh right back. I, I still think Ten Hag would all, would ultimately like you know, a right back that, that is more suited to going forwards. Um, and and Dallot actually against you you guys last night, I thought he had a, a pretty good game and he was involved in that first goal that was um, a kind of archetypal Ten Hag goal. I think he'd, he'd, he'd like to see that a lot more, the switch of play and then the kind of cut back. Um, but yeah, Wan-Bissaka, unfortunately, for him, for him has, has got injured. I mean, it was a bit of a weird one in the sense of came on for five minutes against Brighton. Um, and manages to tweak his hamstring, I think, you know, so out for two months. And, you yeah. know, that does, you'd sort of question, did he warm up properly enough? You know, what, what was the underlying issue there? You know, I'd have had a few injuries. I don't know if, if this is, maybe I should give them a bit more slack because if, if Palace have got injuries as well and there's other clubs clearly with uh, problems, but you sort of just wonder, you know, what is the balance right between training loads and, and, and match performances and things like that? But, um, yeah, I think, I think Wambasaka is a player that, I mean, he's got a year left. On his contract, uh, I think there's an extension um, option as well. So maybe you know two years left, really. But United are now getting into the position where they're going to have to either make a call on whether to you know sign him up again or sell him. Yeah, I mean it's crazy when you look back and think that he went from in 18 months from the Palace youth team to a 50 million pound transfer yeah. to Manchester United. I'm not surprised it took him a while to sort of adjust to life, really, and so on. Um, definitely, there's definitely a player in there, like for sure, but. Um, would you have him back? Yeah, one hundred percent, mate. We the lot, the lot. We've signed two right backs in the last decade. Jack Hunt got injured before he played a minute for us. Nathan Ferguson has managed eight minutes of time for us and has been injured the whole time. Mm-hmm. So hence, Joel Ward now has like you know three hundred appearances, odd appearances for Palace, and um, was signed as our right back in the Championship when we got yeah. promoted. So. Um, we're screaming out for a right back. That's, right. Um, so yeah, he would he would be welcomed back with open arms by most people. I think. Yeah, um, I think you had a look, didn't you? But it was only a loan that you kind of were looking for, really. And you know, yeah, squeeze. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's to do with yeah, exactly. For us, it's about distributing funds, all right, to keep him with financial fair play. So 
if a loan with a sort of an option to buy at the end or an obligation to buy works a lot better for us when it's the bigger side of the money because um otherwise it messes up the rest of the transfer window really so i just i don't think financially we would have been able to make it work to force it through at that point which i suppose has worked out well for him assuming that you know he comes back from injury and you know can stay in the reckoning there Um, and that's ten hogs reckoning how how far away is he from the tin tack do you reckon (laughs) he's teetering on the edge or is still walking the tightrope at the moment um, I think um, the amount of support and kind of backing they've given him, or they've given him authority anyway. Um, there's obviously different ways of giving um, somebody support, you know, in terms of finding, you know, new players for them in a, in a kind of creative way. Um, I think he's obviously had to take on a lot of responsibility for the, the players that are coming in. Um, but the the kind of level of of uh, yeah backing they've given him. I mean, for example, you know they've, they've um, he's been the manager that's managed to get this player lounge sorted at Old Trafford when you know Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Jose Mourinho w- weren't successful. They've kind of shifted over this uh, lounge that was you know, purely for commercial reasons, giving it to the players. So you know that that's kind of something that's substantial that um, he's managed to get. But so so I don't think that they're in a position to then suddenly change tack on that. Uh, lightly, I think they'll. I think he's got a lot of um, space to manoeuvre. Um, yeah, he won Carabao Cup last season, first trophy in six years. United qualified for the Champions League. Um, yeah, it's obviously been a bad start, and, and you do hear grumbles in that situation. The Jaden Sancho thing is one that you can debate, um, depending on sort of your leaning on it. But I think ultimately on that one, he's you know he's not uh, he's not hiding away from the fact that he is. The manager, and he, he thinks that um, he needs to express that kind of power at, at times when he is being um, his instructions are not being listened to, and, and he, you know, he's been out outwardly sort of disrespected by the, the uh, social media post. So um, yeah, and, and he's he said that when he came in, standards was what he needed to implement. You know, United were asking him for that a culture at the club, and that's clearly what he's trying to establish. So I, I don't know. I, I think he's got a lot of space to um working at the moment and he said as well that you know it's not always going to be an upward trajectory you know there will be dips but yeah you're right I mean it's been a, a very difficult start and I mean I suppose yeah if, if if you boys were as pliant as you are as you were last night on Saturday then he'll be buzzing I mean United have got a soft runner fix just now you know there's also Brentford at home and Sheffield United away so it could quite quickly look a lot more rosy for United um but yeah, that being said, I think the the start had alarmed a lot of people. Yeah, listen, it was for um, luring you into a full sense of security last <laughs> night. That's, that's what it was. As they gave you a bit of a flavour, what Saturday yeah, might did. be yeah, more like a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's a yeah, he's a good player. Um, Marcus Rashford not quite had the impact this season. I know he's been, you know, he's not a centre forward, is he? It's, it's out left is where you want him, and that's where he's going to get his goals from. I'm actually looking at schools at the moment for the kids. And um, is a, there's a class named after him. So each class in the school is named after Pioneer. And uh-huh. one of the classes is called Marcus Rashford. Another one is called Stormzy, which makes sense from the local area and stuff. Yeah. But there was no Zaha, so this school will uh-huh. not be getting 
my daughter's signature, unfortunately. What are they doing in these classes then? Do they they relate to the? Is it like music for Storms and, and PE for Rashford or? or, or no, it's reading? not. So they're just like the like just your regular form class, I guess. And um, so they all draw pictures of them. So everyone's got their drawings of Marcus Rashford on the wall outside, and they learn about why he's a pioneer and sort of teach them about legacy and things like that. So. Right. Um, the, the two classes in that school year are Carriage and Rashford, which obviously, you know, provided all the free school meals and stuff throughout COVID and so on. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Manchester United holding sway in South London. It's, yeah. it's, it's, always, it's always been the way, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but do, do you expect Rashford to come good? I'm sure. I mean, it's amazing that he's still only 25, really. It feels like he's been around forever, but still still not even near his peak yet. No, and, and I mean, he's been sort of a pivotal player for United for much of that time as well. Um, a lot of responsibility. You know, he's had injuries as well that he's played through. Um, he's always going to be a figure that people scrutinise just because... He is capable of these incredible runs of form and uh, magic moments that United fans have treasured. Um, and then also, you know, looking sometimes on the pitch like he's annoyed at, at certain situations. You know, he wears his emotions clearly. So that's going to cause debate for people. Um, you know, I'm sure there's aspects of his off the ball work that people would want um, to be improved. But then again, you know, there's probably an argument to say, well, if you waste all your energy, on trying to you know chase down uh, the right back, then does that leave you a little bit depleted for the moment when you have got the ball at your feet and you're trying to run at the right back? So um, yeah, I, I think he's I, I think he'll be fine. Um, he's obviously not started the season as well as he had uh, last season. Although I, I think he started a little bit slowly, but then got got into his got into his rhythm certainly after the World Cup. Actually, it was mm-hmm. really so. Maybe it's just another consequence of that, and he'll he'll find his feet. And then what he's he's quite a a streaky player, I think. Once he hits form, he really will take off. Yeah, I'm just nervous about removing him from my fantasy team, yeah, and, then, that like, and then missing <laughs> missing that uh, streak when it eventually comes. Okay, so back to Old Trafford this weekend. Obviously, lineups are going to be very different. Um, probably expecting a tighter game, but um, obviously, you'll be looking to continue your revitalised Manchester United run, albeit against softer opposition, as you said. Um, but I suppose you're going to be fancying your boys to get another win. You think so, yeah. I mean, he was able to, you know, leave Rashford out entirely, Fernandes out entirely, Hoyland came on for a little um, little burst, didn't he? Um, and so, yeah, he'll be able to change the team. I mean, Casemiro, I think he was the big one for United last night where he has looked nothing like the player that he was last season, but that was a return for him. You know, the passing, the, I mean, to go and uh, score and then assist as well, um, I thought was really impressive and he, he covered a lot of ground. So, um, so yeah, Tenagel changed the team up again. Um, but I suppose, yeah, Palace, it, it, it just depends. I mean, they've, they've if, if Palace can sort of operate off the ball like they, they usually do and, and pro- provide that kind of stubborn resistance. I think it was it was surprising how easily United managed to tease them open. Mm. Um, and maybe they, they approached the game again with that kind of energy. I think Mason Mount was a really positive sign as well, back from injury and, and doing some good work in midfield, uh, nice technique. Uh, but yeah, Palace are usually much more stubborn than that, right? I mean, and, yeah. and counter-attacking... Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, our game plan is field. no. Effectively, the game plan is get to nil nil at half time, and then you see a very different thing. So you'll see no pressing in the first half, almost none, and then if we get to the second half and nil nil, all of a sudden there'll be explosions of 
multiple people pressing and trying to steal the ball. And we're usually quite um, clinical when we do get the chances. I mean, Anana just made a really good save from Mateta last night with his yeah. feet, and um, we made a couple of good saves from Mateta. So just just a bit unlucky last night not to get those goals. But yeah, they we, it all comes in the second half as we, we haven't even scored in the first half this season. So, right, and I think yeah. it's since we've since we've been promoted to the Premier League, it's it's in the seventy percent of games, pushing seventy five percent that we haven't scored in the first half, which is just Crazy. I haven't seen it alongside other teams, so I don't. It sounds like a lot, you know. It sounds like an awful lot not to have scored in the first half. But so is um, that just like a technique, uh, a strategy to sort of yeah. know, a bit of rope a dope, but also conserve your energy? Yeah, uh, yeah. Hodgson just definitely wants to keep all games tight. He thinks every game is small margins; it'll be decided on. And if you can just stay in any stay in any game, you can win any game. And you know, he's through his time at Palace, he's picked up some great results doing this. You know, mm. we've won at City a couple of times, we've won at Old Trafford a couple of times, we've won. At, you know, that we've picked up results again, completely out of the blue where we shouldn't. Um, but it's, I mean, it's it can be boring though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> particularly the last, the last two games just dreadful Fulham on the weekend didn't look like we're trying to win when you're playing Fulham at home it's got to be but again you know like for like we lost 3-0 at home to Fulham last season and you know it's plus one point versus last season so that's kind of like how the statisticians will be looking at it and so on so whatever um, yeah different expect a different game still tired still think we'll lose 1-0 so <laughs> just that's that's the more likely scoreline and um Glad I'm only going to one of them. I will be at Old Trafford on Saturday. So, um, yeah, Muse Mew, on Friday night in Manchester, and then, and then, yeah. What a combo! What a combo indeed. That's the only reason why I've been able to clear it with the missus, to be honest. <laughs> Muse on Friday night and musings on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Muse on Friday night and not amused on Saturday <laughs> is what it will be. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, Laurie, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time to give our listeners a bit of an overview of Manchester United at the moment. And um, really, pleasure. really good to catch up. Really good to catch up. Okay, mate, cheers. So massive thanks to Laurie Whitwell from The Athletic and Talk of the Devils podcast for joining us there. Um, and as I said, they're a good friend of mine as well. Very, very appreciating his time to come on and chat to us. I think really, really insightful stuff there. And um, he was happy with Manchester United's performance, although he did he kept referring to the passive Crystal Palace uh, as I said to him, allowing us, he uh, must be delighted that we turned up and rolled over and let him tickle our bellies, which hopefully won't be the case this coming weekend. Um, Haskip, have you seen any any chance that Lerma might be back or anyone? Absolutely anyone. Give me some hope. <laughs> but no, I was actually looking before we started recording. I was on the BBS to see if anyone had got an update on Lerma because I hadn't heard anything. And the, the only thing on there was someone asking has anyone heard about Lerma so I I don't know again we have to we record a day or day or two before the press conference don't we so I'm sure we'll we'll eventually find out um but you know after the game yesterday uh, I didn't listen to the whole interview but IU was basically saying it, you know it wasn't good enough and this that should be motivation in itself to not to not play that way on Saturday um easier said than done because I think if we just sort of sit and let them have the ball without pressing at all uh, on Saturday, then I think we'll probably see more of the same. Um, mm-hmm. But 
But I mean, the hope is, like like Albert said, like I said earlier, the hope is that we actually just give it a game. Like if we lose, we lose. But they are fragile. I know they've just won against us and I know they've just won against Burnley, but that's not really saying much. Um, so I think, you know, I mean, we'll have Gay in from the start. Joe will be in. I assume Hughes will start. So hopefully having those will give us a bit more bite, a bit more um, ability on the ball. Uh, but yeah, I think that the main concern for me is that we just got to give it a bit of a go because if we don't, we're just going to see a repeat of Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Albert, what's the forfeit in your household if United win twice in a week against Palace? Oh, Christ. I haven't even considered that. Um, <laughs> let's just put it this way. I'm not going to start that conversation because... Whatever the forfeit is, it'll be it'll be me doing it, won't it? There's well, no. to be fair, you'll have seen Palace be shit three games in a row, so the forfeit is almost what you've just done. Yeah, absolutely, it is the yeah <laughs> the, the the drive there and back is forfeit enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jeez, blimey. I, I just hope we play well against Forest. I'm not saying I'm not going to sit here and say, "Oh, we're definitely going to lose on Saturday," but it's the first time in years I'll be going to three consecutive games. Take the cup out of it. Um, so if we play badly on Saturday, we really have to turn it on against Forest the week after. That's all I'm saying. Mm. Yeah, can't we? Don't want to. <laughs> don't want to end up losing to Forest at home. Oof. Late one on a Saturday as well. Especially considering the games after that and Newcastle away and Tottenham at home. Newcastle, who've just drawn Man United in the Cup. Correct. After having just knocked out Man City. Yeah. Kind of glad we went out. Ah, we could could have gone 11-10 on penalties again with them. Was that what it was last season when they knocked us out of the League Cup? Oh, what horrible draws we get in those competitions. All the fun we had at Plymouth just seems so long ago now. <laughs> right, that's your lot for this week. Um, thank you to Albert. Thank you to Heskiff for joining, as always. Thank you to Laurie for taking time out of his day to give us his insights on Manchester United. <clears throat> Look us up on the socials. Winging it CPFC on all on all your socials. If you want to email the pod, it's winging it CPFC at gmail.com. And um, you know, if you know what Heskiff looks like, go over to, go over to him at some games and say, "Cheer up, you miserable bastard," or something like that. <laughs> or buy me a pint. Or, or that, that in the that'll cheer me up. yeah bottle of piss water in the fan zone. <laughs> but um, yeah, thank- those. <coughs> oh, yeah jeez Is, are you <laughs> saying that's a good thing no get a pint of Brixton Pale in the victory for about the same alright alright I know you're cool <laughs> yes the victory is so cool that's, yeah. that's they've got it above yeah. the door the coolest place in town <laughs> Anywhere's the coolest place in town when you're there, Terence. Oh, that's you know. I am currently wearing a denim shirt with black tracksuit bottoms. I don't think anyone could ever describe me as cool, to be honest. 
You're ruining uh, I the tried. facade. <laughs> You're tried. ruining it. Ruining it. Ruining it. Yeah, but thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with all things United again, building you up to Forest and anything that falls in between. So until next time, up the palace. <laughs>